Hello everybody and welcome to episode 21, yay, of adult ADHD, my journey of self-discovery and getting a diagnosis. Welcome to yet another week, here we are again. Just a little plug-in time before I start. If you'd like to follow me or message me on Instagram, my Instagram page is at adult underscore ADHD underscore journey. My Facebook is at adult ADHD journey and my email address is adult.adhd.journey at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to help me out a little bit with the funds that it costs me to set up the podcast, then you can donate some dollar dollar bills, y'all, to me. And the way you do that is through www.buymeacoffee.com slash adult ADHD. Go around. Okay, let's get started today. Well, yay, Melbourne is out of lockdown. I've gone back to work part-time this week and go back full-time next week. Everything is wonderful. Everything is dandy. Life couldn't be any better. Apart from the fact that, unfortunately for me, I have lost the ability to sleep again. So I wanted to talk to you about this because sleep for ADHDers or for some ADHDers can be like such a massive, massive challenge. And for me, alongside my emotions, sleep is like one of my biggest cruxes and I struggle with it all of the time. I was on a type of antidepressant that like knocks you for six every night but that ceased to work unfortunately so what should have knocked out a fucking horse no longer knocks me out so this is something that I am working through at the moment and trying to get a grasp on I know ever since I was a wee nipper sleep has always been a really really massive challenge as I said and It's falling asleep for me that I really, really struggle with. And alongside falling asleep, it's also getting up in the morning. So I am like an absolute, like imagine a corpse mixed with a sloth. That is me in the morning. I need constant snooze, 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 snooze. Or when I was younger, it was constant reminders. Get out of bed, you're running late. (laughs) And it's like, ah. And I just, once I'm in that bloody sleep, trying to get up is like, oh, awful. Awful, awful, awful. And it becomes like a really long, drawn out process for me in the morning. So now that I'm going back to work or have done the past two days part time, it's kind of, it's really made it apparent to me just how fucking shit I am at going to bed at a reasonable hour and also at getting up at a reasonable hour as well. So once I finally drag myself out of bed, I'm like a walking fucking zombie 
And I have to have, I've had to cut out a lot of things that I usually do in the morning from my routine because I just don't have time. I get too distracted too easily and then I'm always late. And we know when I run late, my anxiety is through the fucking roof and I'm just causing myself more problems. So I've just had to cut shit out of my fucking daily routine. So the sorts of things I've cut out of my daily routine are breakfast. So I find if I'm trying to eat in the morning, I eat so slowly (laughs) and I start playing with my food or scrolling incessantly through my phone and not actually eating, even though I know, oh, you know, you've got five minutes left till you've got to go to work. Yeah. (laughs) So I can't eat, don't have time to eat. I hate going into the bathroom when I'm getting ready as well, because unfortunately, (laughs) the bathroom has so many distractions. And for me, my biggest distraction in the bathroom are my super sharp, spiky tweezers. Oh my God, I have to hide my tweezers from myself because as soon as my eyeballs catch sight of those tweezers, I like get sucked into this um, plucking hyperfocus and I can't stop. I can't get out of it. I'll start like plucking my eyebrows, even if I haven't plucked my eyebrows in like six months and I never cared they were growing out before, but suddenly I'm like, oh my God, I've got to pluck my eyebrows or I'll put the toilet seat down and I'll sit on the toilet seat and I start to pluck my bikini line and my bikini line actually is my biggest hyperfocus for plucking regimes. And I end up just like, honestly, it's like I'm a drug addict searching for my next fix. I like scour my skin looking for something that I can pluck. (laughs) And it can suck me into this like time warp. And suddenly like half an hour's passed and I'm like, ah, (laughs) shit. So I just, oh God. And plucking, I can do all day long. I mean, when it's really sunny outside and it's the weekend or I'm not at work, I will sit on the sofa outside. Like I've got almost like a sunbed on my balcony. I sit in the sunlight, take off all of my clothes and just pluck my entire body, find parts on my legs to hack away at. (laughs) And sometimes, and it sounds awful, so sorry about the disgustingness, but it's true. And I think a lot of people will probably be able to relate, maybe not with tweezers, but maybe with... I don't know, nail clippers or hairbrushes or whatever. Um, I sometimes will hack so incessantly away at something that I'll actually make myself bleed sometimes because I'll be digging deep and I'll be <laughs> burrowing away and it's awful and I hate it. But honestly, it's like I can't control myself. So I have to hide my tweezers if I don't want to get distracted by them. So when I'm trying to get ready in the morning, I go into the bathroom because obviously you have to brush your teeth and you have to go to the toilet and that's just human bloody need. Then it takes me like 700 years to decide what to wear because I'm checking the weather every five seconds and I'm just so terrified I'm going to wear the wrong thing and be too hot or too cold. (laughs) When I finally make it downstairs, I'm running so late. I've not had time to do my hair. I've not had time to do any makeup. So nowadays I don't wear makeup because I can't be 
bloody arsed, to be honest. I don't have the time for that shit. So I don't wear any makeup anymore. I do my hair when I'm driving at red lights. And I've got fucking mental, wild, crazy hair. So it's not like I can just smooth it down. So I end up looking like I've been dragged through a bush backwards. (laughs) And before I've left the house, I usually like, oh God, I'll forget to put the kettle on. And then my kettle, it seems like takes 700 years to boil so I can make my 700 fucking flasks of tea. So I have every type of tea for every possible type of occasion you could ever bloody, (laughs) ever need. And then I finally will get to work. I'll fang it down the road like, of course, I'll get every red light and (laughs) get really, really stressed. And then I'll be like, right, okay, finally, great. I mean, I'm heading into work now. I'm almost there. And then I'll bump into someone in the car park. Blah, 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 blah. Start chatting to them for 20 minutes. Then I'll be like walking towards my classroom and bump into someone on the playground and do the same. And then I'm just chat, 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 chat everywhere I go. Then suddenly, like, the first bell rings and I'm like, fuck, oh my God, it's class in like three minutes. What am I doing? And then I get very panicky and it's very stressful. And that is my uh, morning routine, essentially every single day. And I don't seem to get any better of it with it, with age or with medication, in fact. (laughs) I've just stayed absolutely shite at it for my whole life and probably will continue to do so. So I don't know if you, as a fellow ADHDer, have noticed that in the mornings especially, you are super distracted, you're very, very slow, you always snooze, 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 get distracted by everything, look really unkempt (laughs) because you just haven't had the time to make yourself look decent. But that's me, like, Every bleeding day. So today I am going to talk about it's just emotions taking me over. Just a devotion. <laughs> That's it. It's emotions and devotions. No, it's just emotions. Uh, and possibly a, a little a little sprinkling of devotions, a little dusting. But essentially, my emotions are all over the place. As I've told you before, they're fucking all over the place. And I seem to be stuck in this horrible kind of loop of failed relationships over and over and over and over and over again. Constantly, like, questioning myself, thinking I'm evil, like, thinking, oh my god, I'm so fucked, and then being like, oh my god, no, it's them, that's it, I'm changing my sexuality, which again, is me thinking it's them, but then thinking I'm going to change my sexuality, because I have to, because maybe it is me making the wrong choice about who I'm with, blah, 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 and it just becomes a little bit exhausting. So, I wanted to talk to you today about emotions. So, firstly, I wanted to share a little bit of a win, actually. So, I... Actually, I was going to say this in the last segment, but I totally forgot because I got distracted (laughs) by telling you about my uh, return to work. So I have stopped being able to sleep again. Hooray. So exciting. So happy. Ugh. (laughs) Uh, It got to the point 
I think last two weeks ago or whatever, when I suddenly realized I hadn't slept in about three weeks. And I was like, oh shit, when did this happen? No wonder I'm exhausted. And the antidepressants I was on are supposed to like fucking knock you for six. And they just don't knock me for six anymore. And then I was like, oh, what do I do? So in my medication review, I mentioned it to my psych and he had suggested putting me on this other medication for nighttime sleeps, which is originally for your blood pressure. And when you research ADHD treatments, it's one of the treatments for ADHD. It's a non-stimulant treatment and it's supposed to absolutely knock you for six at night. You meant to pass out, sleep the best sleeps you've ever had, and everything's fan dabby dozy again. So I was so excited <laughs> to try this. So unfortunately, I don't know whether it's just due to my stomach, my brain, my excessive drug taking when I was younger, <laughs> my really high tolerance for alcohol because I'm a Geordie so anyone born in Newcastle seems to be able to drink so much without much effect happening. Anyway, I'm blabbing. I don't know what it is or whether it's a mixture of everything, whether it's just the speed of my metabolism, but my body very quickly begins to work works through medication. So back in the day when I was on the contraceptive pill, I ended up being on over the years about eight different types because my body just would work work through them too fast. And then I became like immune to them almost. They They no longer did their job, which sucks. And that seems to happen with everything that I take. So with the antidepressants that were helping me with sleep, lo and behold, I kept going up doses until I could go up no more. And eventually it just ceased to work. And I just, yeah, I mean, God help me if I ever get surgery and have to be put under, I'll probably like fight off that anesthetic like so fucking fast. (laughs) And oh God, yeah, I mean, I dread the day that that ever happens because I just have visions of me waking up post, like not post, not pre, mid-surgery and being like, ow, and then having PTSD for the rest of my life. So that's something to look forward to. Hooray! <laughs> Lots of sarcasm in this episode, <laughs> uh, you will find. So apologies for that in advance. Anyway, so I am no longer sleeping. I come off the antidepressants. I get told it could take a couple of months to come off them properly because your body can suffer from withdrawal symptoms. Anyway, I kind of stopped fairly quickly and it was absolutely fine. My body's like, yep, done, over it, next. (laughs) So I started the new tablets on Thursday last week. And to give you a bit of context of the day, it's now Wednesday, so a week ago, basically. I was very excited to start them, expecting I was going to pass out in a matter of moments and sleep would be restored back to me. So I take the tablet and I wait. And I read every night for between 30 to 90 minutes, depending on how I'm feeling anyway. So I do have that 
kind of, you know, chilled out time and I'm in a chilled out zone before I go to sleep. So it's not like I'm pinging or I'm watching TV or I'm looking at blue light objects before I go to bed. The phone's down, the phone's away and I'm just reading my book nice and peacefully, which is my sort of mindfulness. And then I turn off my light and go to sleep. So I'm reading, I'm waiting. I start to feel like the teeniest bit drowsy. So I'm like, yes, great. And then I finish my chapter, turn off my light and sleep does not come. Hmm, fabulous. And I wait for hours and hours, uh, or what seems like hours and hours. I think it was about two hours in the end. Finally get to sleep. Then I woke up a couple of hours later, like two o'clock in the morning. Can't sleep again for ages. And then I woke up at like 6am and I was like, ah. And then on Friday night, oh my God, it took me oh, I think it was three and a half hours to get to sleep. I was absolutely livid. And then I woke up at 5am and I was just on Saturday morning, 5am and I was just fucking seething. (laughs) So seething. So um, I did, I will admit, had a bit of a panic and I had a massive panic actually. And I was like, the medication isn't working. I allowed myself to catastrophize, which I shouldn't have because once I get going, it's like the fucking world is crumbling around me and I cannot ground myself at all. So I catastrophize. I think to myself, oh my God, I'm gonna need to email my psychiatrist and talk to him and the, you know, the strength of my dexamphetamines are just not strong enough and I'm not really feeling it. Maybe that's why I can't sleep. So I get myself into a right fucking tease. Go to bed on Sunday night, wake up like four times in the night, woke up at like six o'clock in the morning, ridiculously early or too early for me to be up on a remote learning day anyway. And I just thought, right, that's it. I snapped. I thought, had enough. Had a fucking enough. So I emailed (laughs) the psychiatrist uh, clinic and said, look, please send this email to Dr. J and I am just unhappy with this strength and this isn't working and I'm just not sleeping and I'm going, and then I have work, I'm doing some exercise in the, on the balcony at lunchtime and my phone starts to ring and it's private number. So I wasn't going to answer it, but then I thought, oh, I've just ordered some sofas. I wonder whether it's them calling to tell me when they're going to deliver. So I answered the phone and it was Dr. J and I immediately just felt so embarrassed and so ashamed that I'd sent this message because by then I'd kind of woken up a bit and I was cool as a cucumber and I just felt so embarrassed that I'd kind of snapped and he was like, what I love about him is he is kind of, he doesn't wrap me in cotton wool. He tells me how it is. He doesn't fucking, people, some people like, people to be nurturing and gentle. I don't. So (laughs) he was kind of like, look, uh, I'm just reading your email. Um, Right. Okay. Mm, Let's try double this thing at night. He said, but actually you should be feeling it straight away. It either works with people or it doesn't work with people. So let's see how that goes. Double it. 
You can go back on that antidepressant, but at like a quarter of the bloody dose. And he said, in terms of other medication, he said, we're meeting in three weeks, just deal with it. He said, you've always got the quick release if they're not strong enough. He said, just actually give it some time, please. (laughs) And I mean, he didn't say stop being a baby, but essentially he was firm, but kind, but he was firm. (laughs) And uh, I was kind of like, okay, uh, yeah. And he said, but if you want an increased dose, just let me know and I'll give it to you now. And I was like, no, 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 more than happy to keep on trying it. That's absolutely fine. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, uh-huh, no worries. Thank you. <laughs> that is fine. I'll just keep going for three, I mean, what's three weeks? And yes, I've got the the quick release. And yep, no, no that's fine. And I'll just try doubling the other medication. Have tried doubling it. Doesn't really work. I'm still not sleeping. However, this is what is amazing with it. So, after doing research into this non-stimulant medication, it's supposed to really help with your emotional regulation and with your sleep, right? My emotional regulation over the past couple of days has been like so good. (laughs) It's like, honestly, amazing. So, Classic me is I'll start seeing someone, know within the first like seven seconds whether this is a potential or could be a potential forever partner. And I'll pretty much know straight away, but then I'm like, eh, okay, well, no, it's better than nothing. I'll keep going. And it's not a right fit. And then we'll both realize it's not a good fit. And I won't do anything about it because I'm like, I'd rather be with someone who I fucking hate, who drives me crazy, who has no empathy or who has no personality or whatever, 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 because at least (laughs) it's company one night a week or whatever. And then they'll be feeling it too, but they don't have the same fucking desperate need for emotional attachment (laughs) and closeness as I do. So they're like, yeah, okay, nah, this isn't working. Let's let's move on. And usually I will respond like devastated. Even if I'm literally going to someone's house to break up with them, they do it first. It makes that lack of control and that rejection and everything gets too much, overwhelms me. I flip my lid. Well, um, I was seeing someone, uh, have been seeing someone over the past few weeks, which actually, you know what, it's kept me entertained during lockdown, which has been great. Um, it's given me the capacity to still go to someone's house and things like that, which has been lovely. Anyway, I was at this person's house on the weekend and had texted one of my really good friends and had said, fucking hell, this ain't gonna go nowhere. (laughs) Boring. And she's like, honestly, honestly, Kate, honestly. And whatever. I thought, you know what? Something to do until something better comes along. And um, (laughs) so we kept on, we kept on at it. But Yesterday, I got a message through being like, look, it's just, I don't feel like there is much of a connection at all. And usually when I receive a message like that, my heart will drop, my pulse like quickens like a crazy person. 
um like I literally it's like there's an earthquake happening inside of me I begin to like crumble and shake and my whole structure begins to like weaken and cracks begin to form and I find it very hard to focus or concentrate on anything else on around me however I got this message through and I went "Mm, yeah fair cool (laughs) no worries that was fine I'm feeling it too And then it got to the end of the day yesterday and I was like, oh my God, I'm amazing. Oh, I'm amazing. Uh, Yay. Hooray. So I messaged one of my friends and said, oh my God, you know what a fucking crazy psycho bitch I am usually when shit like this happens. Other people don't know that side of me. So if I say to them, oh my God, someone who I didn't want to be with ended things with me and I was actually totally fine with it. Most people would be like, well, yeah, you fucking didn't even like them. So what's the fucking issue? (laughs) But I'm not usually like that. I'm usually like, no, my world is over. I'm in love with them. Oh, how did I ever, ever know until now? <laughs> uh, so I was so proud of myself. So I messaged my friend and was like, I have to share this with you because I'm so proud of my successes. Tell me how fucking amazing I am and what a wonderful human being I am and how proud and impressed with me you are, please. Thank you very much. And she did, which was lovely. Also, another win today was I did have a meeting after school and it was only supposed to go for, I don't know, maximum an hour. And usually as soon as it's like ticked over to being an hour, I'm like Miss Seething of the Universe 2021. And I'll be like, and nothing can go into my brain or be processed after that hour is up. Well, this meeting lasted an hour, 20 minutes, and I didn't get frustrated once, which was actually fucking so lovely. So I really, in the fucking four or five days or the week I've been on these tablets, I have noticed a big difference in my emotional regulation. So if you are like me and are an absolute fucking maniac when it comes to emotions, honestly, I would look into non-stimulant medication for your emotional regularity. So I've gone from panicking, emailing my psych on Monday, saying, I don't want to take them anymore, to being like, I'm never coming off them ever. (laughs) But also, what can you fucking give me to sleep, please? Thank you. Okay, so today, I had a major breakthrough. A personal breakthrough, but... This may help some of you who are emotionally stinted, (laughs) like myself. Perhaps you might find this a breakthrough too. You're probably thinking, oh, fucking hell, here's another one of her breakthroughs. (laughs) Is she going to tell us she's a lesbian and she's realised that uh, men just don't do it? Well, no, this is a breakthrough I've never had before and isn't repeated every few months. (laughs) I don't think. This is a completely, entirely new breakthrough. Okay, so if you have ADHD, it is because of two things. It is because of genetics and it is because of environment, right? So if you've got the environmental factor, but not the genetic, uh -uh, no ADHD. If you've got the genetic, but no environmental, uh -uh, not ADHD. So environmental can look like many things. It might be that you're born and 
your primary caregiver, which is usually the mother, has postnatal depression and can't connect emotionally to the baby properly. That's your environment. Those first few weeks or whatever of your life, baby can sense the stress in mum and the fact that mum kind of doesn't really want to look baby in the eyes or fake smiles at baby, whatever, whatever. So it could be, say, postnatal depression or if mum's got a lot of anxiety. It might be anxiety because mum's an anxious human being in general. It might be anxiety because she's in a war-torn country or whatever and she's pregnant with you and she's worried about what's going to happen because of life situations at that time. It could be because her and her husband, for example, are going through financial strain and there's a baby on the way and it could be that sort of stress. So it might be stress that is typical of mum or it might be atypical of mum. And if primary caregiver's dad, it's the same thing. But obviously not inside dad's tummy because <laughs> as far as I know, daddies don't give birth to babies. Anyway, so that's the sort of environmental thing we're talking about. It could be, that's why some siblings can have ADHD and others don't because it all depends on the situation at that exact time when that baby's born. And everyone with ADHD has been wounded in some capacity, by the relationship with their primary caregiver. So whether it was the anxiety pre or post-birth or financial things or depression or circumstance at that time or even just someone being really busy or, you know, if mum goes back to work straight or whatever, 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 or baby's adopted or whatever, whatever, whatever. It doesn't even have to be anything massive or big it can just be if baby has realized oh hang on a second something's not quite right here then they become wounded by that relationship that doesn't mean for the rest of your life that relationship is wrecked not at all but all your behaviors and mental patterns that come from your ADHD are your external and internal in your brain signs of the wound that you got from the relationship or it's a sign of your inefficient defenses against feeling the pain of that wound. So my emotional defenses are definitely shocking (laughs) and it all stems from that. So that wasn't my breakthrough but my breakthrough was that For you to develop as a human being, for your brain to grow and develop, to have strong emotional regulation and emotional control and emotional stability, you need to have the energy and the capacity and the space in your brain for that growth to occur. Your brain cannot grow and develop these capabilities if it is consumed and obsessed and focused on protecting itself from further hurt with other people. Now, the beauty usually with family is its unconditional love. So 
regardless of what you do, what your behavior is, yada, 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 they have unconditional love for you. It's different to when you meet lovers or have form relationships with people in the future because those relationships aren't automatically unconditional like they are with family members often. They are things you have to work on. You have to compromise yourself, themselves, whatever, whatever, to make things work often. And that's why the best relationship or the most effective relationship to help you build your emotional regulation is with your primary caregiver. And as you grow older with your both parents or siblings or other family members, because it is that unconditional love. So you do feel safer from it. And from that, you can learn and you can grow. However, experience teaches us different things. And while my relationship with my family, with all the members of my family is fantastic and it's wonderful, it's glorious. I get on well with all of them, love them all to death and vice versa. That's not the area where my growth in my later years has, why my growth has almost become stilted. So when I was still fairly young, I began the glorious life of dating. So we're talking, you know, 14, 15, I start to date. And this then becomes my new kind of obsession and my new fixation and my new desire of relationships. So I no longer think, okay, I want to get this love and this caregiving and this security from my family because, ooh, look, shiny, someone, someone to date, ooh, yo, yo, ooh. And then uh, my focus moves and shifts to those relationships. And relationships really can fuck with your emotions, as we know. So my breakthrough was that if people or your experiences in relationships with people, if they show you love, affection, tenderness, care, patience, then that improves your capacity to problem solve. It builds richer connections in your cortex. It allows your brain to grow and develop because it's in that safe space. It feels comfortable. And it stimulates the part of the brain that initiates your emotional needs and your emotional expressions and your emotional capabilities or lack thereof. The satisfying of your emotional needs is essential regardless of what age you are. It's essential when you're fucking two days old. It's essential when you're seven. It's essential when you're 20. It's essential when you're 65. It's essential when you're 87. It's essential always. You need to have your emotional needs satisfied and your emotional needs met. Otherwise, 
that's when your mental capabilities and organizations and your emotional capabilities and regulation that can hinder that from growing if you don't have that TLC. Now, when I think about my whole life dating, well, first of all, I wasn't ready back in the day. And I was not in a great place way back, way back when. And God, looking back, shouldn't be, shouldn't have been dating. Whatever, I did it. But looking back from the age of 15 to me now, and I'm now 31, so it's over half of my life now. We're talking 16 jolly years, almost 17 in March. Heaven forbid. When you look at, or when I look at all my relationships from the age of 15, I have never, ever really been with someone who has given me that TLC, not properly. Someone's tried to give me, someone has given me love, but has got so many undealt issues of their own, they can't fully give me the security I need or they might take things out on me because they're frustrated about something to do with something or something that's happening in their life and then it threatens me and my emotional stability or they're just a fucking arsehole who gets with fucking 20,000 people on a daily basis Mm, is this pot kettle black? No, it's not pot kettle black because I'm not an arsehole. Actually, thank you very much. <laughs> um, they, it might be whatever. It might, they've cheated on me or they have been manipulative or they've just been too much in their own head or a victim, have victim complex or whatever, whatever, whatever. That's not me saying... No, it's not me, it's them all the time. (laughs) For the past 16 years, it's all been the other person and none of it's been me. Definitely not the case, right? And I know how to, back in the day, I knew how to push buttons if I needed to or I wanted to or whatever, whatever, whatever. However, I essentially cannot think of one relationship where... I have felt secure, safe, comfortable, happy, dare I say content, ever. Which, when it came to me earlier, I just thought, what the fuck? And even actually as I was growing up, same with my friendships. Up until I was about 26, question mark? I'd say about 26, up until I was 26, I even really struggled with friendships and, you know, felt like I didn't have that security or that support where I needed it often. But it made me really think today, I thought, whoa, hang on a second. If I have never really ever, well, I've never have experienced this TLC in a romantic capacity, ever, because if remember, if someone gives me too much like TLC because, because they're anxious or they have anxieties or issues themselves that are unresolved, that isn't genuine, tender, loving care. 
that comes from a place of desperation and anxiety. That doesn't come from a place of, gosh, I just love you and you're unbelievable and I love you irrespective of your, the fact of your whatever weaknesses or irrespective of my own weaknesses, irrespective of anything, I love you and you're amazing and you're the person I want to be with. If someone's like, "Ah, ah, ah," and anxious themselves, and then they're like, smothering, that ain't genuine TLC. So my mind, what, was just like, hang on a second. If like the key factor for growth and development of your brain in an emotional capacity is fostered by your experience in relationships and of having security within the relationships, no wonder I'm fucking, I've been jilted (laughs) my whole life with this fucking brain and no wonder I struggle in relationships because I've never fucking been able to grow from them because I've never had that security and that space to be able to grow because my brain has been so consumed in protecting itself from hurt, damage, pain, and it's constantly in defense mode. There's been no time to just, ah, learning and growing and whoa. So it actually made me feel quite like, oh, that's so sad. (laughs) But then I'm also like, who are the people (laughs) that I am meeting? Clearly, I've got a type and it's of an emotionally unavailable type because it's this weird self-fulfilling prophecy cycle that I'm in. But I'm like, oh my God, talk about getting with fucking emotionally unavailable people or whatever to have found not one person. And look, have I ever given that... TLC to somebody else through places of anxiety and desperation, yes. But like I said to you before, that ain't a genuine place for TLC to come from. So actually, I've never, never, I've never, never, never have I ever, I've never given it to anyone either. So I'm not saying it's all the other person, but I am saying it's because I'm meeting the wrong person all the fucking time. And I'm kind of like, "Mm, okay, so why is that? What is it? What's going on here? (laughs) What's the underlying reason for this? Is it because I'm not ready yet for a relay? Whatever, but fucking hell. 16 years I've been dating and I... So that's kind of where I've been... That's why I'm just (laughs) underdeveloped. (laughs) So that was a massive kind of breakthrough realization for me today. And it fucking like, oh my God, unbelievably just hit home like massive. (laughs) Hit home like massive, innit? So my anxiety has essentially diminished my capacity for self-regulation. Or other people's anxiety has as well. Basically, anxiety fucking mows the shit down on your capacity to be able to self-regulate, to learn how to self-regulate, yada, 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 with your emotions, with your moods, with your 
responses, with your actions, with everything. Great. Thanks, anxiety. So happy to have you in my life. And the icing on the cake, of course, is if your chances of a secure attachment are threatened or undermined in any way, your development completely hinders. So (laughs) I've basically been hindering development for my whole fucking life. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Just absolutely love it. So I'm now striving to be someone who has no anxiety ever in life. (laughs) Obviously, I know that's impossible, but... If I can work on reducing my anxieties around emotional attachments and around emotional security and around my bloody relationships, then in time I can grow and develop on an emotional level. And gradually when I've done this, that will then open up the gateway to allow me to be more conscious of other priorities in my fucking life, like work or time or what is important and what is not important, and all of the rest of it. Because when you're secure emotionally, you automatically feel accepted. You know you've got faults, you know you're not perfect, but you actually know that you're accepted regardless of anything. And you have then got that space for your development. And I don't have that emotional security yet. I still have a lot of anxiety around all things attachment and relationship and emotional. So I really need to work on that to then free up my brain to fucking, I don't know, think about some other shit for a change. And another thing, I know I've just said, look, I know it's not all them and it's partly me. I am fully aware of this. I can be a fucking nightmare. People are like to me all the time, you're too much, you're too much, you're too much. Anyway, I was reading something yesterday and it was talking about... Even though I say, look, it's not all them, it's definitely me too, or a lot of the time I do myself a right disservice and I say, oh my God, it's all me, I'm a fucking psychopath, and blah, 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 blah. But I actually did read that often it's not the ADHD's person, that ADHD person's behavior that causes difficulties and rifts in a relationship. It's the other person's incapacity to tolerate that behavior. So it's when you do something stupid or you you can't sit still or you're kind of tizzy and can't make a fucking decision or you fly off the handle or this or that, they, instead of responding with love and tolerance and patience, which is fucking hard, like I'm not saying it's easy at all, but they get angry and frustrated with you very easily and therefore they get frustrated very easily. Sorry, I'm tizzy as anything today. And that can cause the real difficulties. So it's obviously your behavior has caused it, but it's also all to do with that person's tolerance and how they deal with something. Because if you react in anger, obviously that fucks us up. 
Because as soon as we see the sudden changes in someone's face or tone and they change from being supportive or loving or caring or happy or kind to angry, pissed off, frustrated, hostile, cold. When we sense those sudden changes because we're psychic, that gets our psychological alarm bell going, warning, about to combust. And then we sense the threat straight away and then we either pull away, we become very cold or we're so consumed by our own rage or by our own fear of that person quitting on us and leaving us that we then fail to recognize and understand, hang on, actually, I did this, my behavior then caused this reaction. We just see it as, oh my God, attack, attack, get undercover, woo, and then we shut down and emotionally we're like, oh my God, and then it's just a fucking shit show. ADHD people really struggle to view the world from other perspectives because our ability to have that time to learn from those mistakes, like I spoke about the other week, we can't do that when we feel when we're feeling anxious or threatened or terrified out of our fucking wits that something is going to end. Okay, so one final thing before we go, which is very much linked to everything I've been talking about today. But linking with what I just said five seconds ago, with the you're too much or blah, 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 and people's intolerance or incapabilities of your behavior to be able to whatever your behavior. Often people might say, you know, I just want a week, a week for me, or I just want some space or look, let's have a break or a bit of a time out or whatever, whatever, whatever. That person who says that might have the world's best intentions ever. They might be thinking, oh my God, ah, Kate is fucking amazing. Oh my God, she's so beautiful. (laughs) Look at those pins. (laughs) Just joking. I mean, I've got got the most stumpy fucking legs you've ever seen, but whatever. They might be like, oh my God, I really like this person. She's so nice. She's got a great personality. She looks after herself yada, yada, yada. I really want this to work, but I just need a bit of space. And I really think if we have a bit of space, then we can kind of start fresh and that'll be great. And so that person might say to you, all right, let's just have a little bit of a break or let's just take a week or a couple of weeks or whatever to think things through or blah, 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 blah. And it might come from the world's best intention, but it doesn't matter what the intention is. Because as soon as someone says that, meh, meh, system shut down (laughs) threaten imminent threat approaching imminent threat approaching and we are like oh 
Because the worst fucking nightmare situation an ADHD person can ever fucking be in, the one that is guaranteed to make us fucking absolutely flip our lids, lose control, cry for 700 years until we've fucking filled the fucking River Nile with double its fucking water capacity and threaded the whole of fucking Egypt. Like, our biggest fucking fear and nightmare is being cut off. When we perceive we're about to be cut off, all systems go up. So they might say, I'm doing this because I actually want us to work. <laughs> and da 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 da, la 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 la. All you hear is, if you aren't acting in the exact way I want you to act, if you aren't doing what I want you to, if you're not pleasing me fully, if you're acting like this and I'm not happy, or if you're doing this or you're doing that, I am ready to cut those fucking ties. I am severing this bond with you for fucking ever. The relationship is over. It's my way or the fucking highway. It's my way or fuck off. That's all you hear. <laughs> and that's when you go, oh, oh my God. It's all me. I've been too much. I've done this. I've done that. Then that brings about that incessant, debilitating, degrading process of that need to please, which I have spoken about in quite depth in another episode. So go back to that one and have a listen if you're interested. I can't remember what episode number it is. Soz, but that brings on that need to please where we then change ourselves and change who we are in a desperate bid and desperate attempt to please that person and to give them what we perceive they want. It fills us with mass anxiety and it can often fill us with rage, a feeling of how dare I and rah, fuck you and rah. Basically, all the good stuff brings about all those good emotions. And actually, when the need to please kicks in and you change who you are because you perceive this person wants this from me because they hate this and hate this and hate this and hate that about me, I need to change. Then when you do change, they're like, oh, who the fuck is this bitch? I didn't like this bitch. Right, well, it's fucking over. <sighs> because when they've said... We just have a little bit of a break. You see that as the threat and all you hear is, it's you. You are pissing me off. You are doing this wrong. You are doing that wrong. I want you to be this way. You're not being this way. But that person isn't saying that. So when you hear that and then you become someone different for them, They've never asked for that. They never asked you to change. Oh, well, some, some of them maybe do. They're real fuckheads. Stop being so fucking crazy. Uh, well, it's my fucking personality. So unless you know someone who can buy me, fucking get, inject me with a new personality, mate. 
I am still gonna be wacky and crazy and I'm still gonna sing in the street if a busker is playing Titanic theme tune in the middle of town. How am I not going to sing? Like, actually, what is wrong with you that you're not singing? Because, you know, so... Anyway, I'm going off on a right fucking tangent there. That is my episode, essentially, for today. There you go. 53 minutes of gold. Lucky you guys. And I just wanted to say as well, again, thank you to everyone who does send me messages. I love it now. People are now sending me audio messages too. Fucking love that because I'm a massive audio message-aholic. Like, I live for audio messages and spend 80% of my texting life audioly, <laughs> audibly, or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. So, love this. Thank you to everyone who has messaged. Keep them coming through. Sometimes I'm really hot off the press and reply straight away. Other times I'm like, oh, I've got no capacity for anything. But you guys definitely keep me going. I mean, I was actually not going to record an episode this week because I thought I'm just too tired. I haven't slept. And then I woke up this morning to a beautiful message from someone. And I just thought, oh, oh God, these people keep me going. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep them coming. All right. That is that. I am going to leave this episode for you now. Just one last hint and tip actually for you. (laughs) And I mean this in a non-big headed way. But when I go running, I run around the athletics track because I hurt my knee a couple of months ago, you might remember. And it's still not fully fixed. I mean, it's pretty much fixed, but I'm too scared to run on normal ground. So I just go around the athletics track like a fucking hamster in a wheel, like over and over and over and over, 12 and a half times each time I go. Um, and I struggle. So I struggle with listening to music. I started listening to podcasts, so I stopped counting laps and yada, yada, yada. But... Once a week when I've recorded this podcast, the next time, so tomorrow morning when I go for a run, I'll put this podcast on to just listen that I haven't fucking name dropped like Dr. J's name or I haven't whatever, whatever, whatever. And to check that I just haven't been a fucking absolute twat bag and that the sound isn't too bad or whatever. You can't hear screaming cats like I can hear now. I don't know what you can hear when it's digitally remastered. But I tell you what, there's a fucking screeching little bastard in the background here right now. Uh, So I kind of listen out for stuff like that. And if I feel like whatever, I'm blabbing. Anyway, this podcast is so good to listen to when you run in. Like it's the only thing that fully distracts me (laughs) from counting my laps. And I find I get really engaged. And I'm like, oh God, is that really big headed? (laughs) But it's because I can totally connect and relate to the podcast because I'm doing it. (laughs) So if anyone's going to be able to connect and relate, it's fucking me to me, right? But if you are a runner or do like to do exercise, listen to this while you do it. And another listener says she listens to me when she cleans the house and it's really good to do at the same time. So, you know, there's a few little handy tips of when's good to listen. Anyway... Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep up the listens. Hooray, hooray, hooray. I will see you another day. Bye.